Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. As we promised on Monday, it is a very eventful week here in Happy Valley. We brought an extra episode to start this week with uh, breaking down the Tom Allen edition as defensive coordinator. That is a move that has been officially confirmed by Penn State football and announced as of uh, Tuesday afternoon. And we will have a chance to hear from Tom Allen himself on Wednesday now uh, in the afternoon at Beaver Stadium Media Room for an introductory press conference that will follow a ton of National Signing Day coverage. Uh, We're going to hear from Pat Kraft. We're going to hear from James Franklin. We're going to hear from both recruiting coordinators on the Penn State staff, different members of the recruiting staff, and then ultimately from the new defensive coordinator, Tom Allen. So a little bit of stage setting from me for what we have coming your way Wednesday at lines247.com. If you missed it on Monday with our first episode of the week, Jared Kelly from the uh, 24-7 Sports Indiana Hoosiers website uh, joined us for a detailed discussion on Tom Allen, what Penn State is adding from a leadership standpoint, from a guy who's going to coach linebackers, from a recruiting standpoint, and a little bit into the motivation that led someone who received a $15 million buyout to jump right at another job here in the Big Ten Conference. So plenty uh, on National Signing Day and on Tom Allen going on at lines247.com and taking part in the whole National Signing Day festivities is the quarterback, Ethan Gronkemeyer, who joins us right now on the Lions 24-7 podcast. And Ethan, welcome to the show. I know it is a very busy week. It is National Signing Day Eve. Very exciting for you and your family. So we appreciate you making a few minutes for us to get back on the podcast. Yes, sir. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Well, I mean, this is a moment that I know you've been waiting for since you first probably started getting any kind of college interest or had your mind set on developing college interest. National Signing Day for your class has arrived on Wednesday, so you're creeping up towards it. What, what's the, what's tonight look like? What's tomorrow look like as you you know actually get to live this thing out? Yeah, so just um, super exciting time for, for me and my family. We're super excited to uh, you know, continue the journey and, and tomorrow's a big step. So uh, just having kind of the signing day celebration tomorrow and then uh, officially becoming a Nittany Lion. And you're going to hop on uh, Penn State's uh, show, I guess. They do their, their their broadcast from team facilities and they bring in one by one the commits and then their families. I know you'll be part of that. People can check that out. Uh, through Penn State's website. I'll have a chance to hop on that show a little bit later on to share some of my thoughts on this recruiting class as well. Uh, but when it comes to your uh, situation at Olin Tangi, what does the celebration look like for Wednesday? Yeah, so uh, three o'clock after uh, the, the school day ends uh, in, the, in the main gym, we got just a signing, signing period with uh, me and my tight end, uh, who's also signing early. Um, so there's going to be, you know, cake, cookies, um, and then we just sign the, sign the dotted line and, and make it official. 
Yeah, it's been it's been a while that, that you have felt comfortable with this commitment. We'll talk in a moment about you know some things that were shaken up from the dynamics perspective, but let's focus really on your last high school run here, your senior season. Uh, I know that Daniel Gallon uh, from our site got a chance to go out and, and see you in person and play one of your better games later on in the year, and you had a chance to chat with him afterwards. But just reviewing some of the the results there: thirty five hundred seventy one yards through the air on a sixty six percent pass completion rating, uh, thirty nine touchdowns as well through the air. Ethan, what 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 came together for you? I, I know we were projecting a big season for you. You delivered. Why were you able to do that? Uh, yeah, really the people around around me, um, you know, we had a really experienced group, a lot of guys that I'd been thrown with for the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, we all came together for this uh, last senior season and uh, and made it our best in a while. So uh, we were super uh, excited to be able to put a season together like that. And it was just a great year to finish out high school. I know it was a you know stepping stone kind of a, a path for you here in 2023, picking up a bunch of the, the the power five interest early, going out and proving yourself in some of the camp circuits, turning those into offers, committing to Penn State, getting your opportunity to go out to Los Angeles for the Elite 11 finals and impressing out there. You make a major jump right, right around the top 100 and top 10 at the quarterback position in 24-7 sports rankings. And then you go out and deliver the senior season that we just discussed, 3,500 plus yards, 39 touchdowns. How would you describe your development as a quarterback, as a power five prospect in 2023? Yeah, the development piece has been huge, uh, continuing to get bigger and stronger in the weight room and, and obviously getting faster as well. And then obviously uh, in the film room uh, and then and then on the field throwing has been has been key to putting in the extra hours, you know, watching film or, or uh, getting my mechanics right. Uh, to be able to deliver on on Fridays and now hopefully Saturdays. Did you notice anything differently about the way defenses were approaching you specifically on a week by week basis compared to maybe your junior season? Now that you had gone out there and collected some of those accolades and, and opposing defensive coordinators weren't going to be surprised by Mr. Grunkemeyer and Olin Tangi's offense. Did you pick up on, on some 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 different circumstances and how were you able to respond if so? Yeah, there was definitely some differences, um, you know, teams dropping more, more into coverage um, and then obviously trying to do some different things um, against us. You know, they dropped eight, eight into coverage or or they brought more than we could uh, more than we could protect. So it was just a lot of a lot of changing and moving parts, um, which at the next level, there's going to be a, a, a whole lot more of that as well. But, um, you know, just from. Compared to my junior year, there wasn't as much of that. Uh, and then going into my senior year, there was definitely a lot more moving pieces and um, and teams trying to do give us some different looks. I know you're proud of your arm strength and what you can do physically with your athleticism, but did you feel like you were approaching the game differently from a mental uh, aspect here in 2023? Yeah, definitely the way I watched film and the amount of time I put into it. Uh, definitely increased, you know, I learned, I'm starting to learn, you know, the importance of that and, and how, how much it can boost your game. So that's one key aspect and, you know, how I can, you know, stay in the pocket and deliver the ball without trying to get out and, you know, try to, try to make something happen that can sometimes lead to uh, mistakes. So kind of staying in the pocket um, and, and letting things happen from there. Ethan, I know the lines are a little bit blurred at this point between recruiting and the business aspect of college football, but you got a pretty significant introduction to it in late November when Mike Yersich was dismissed from his position as offensive coordinator. Uh, that, that's the business of the beast sometimes here in college football. He's obviously a lot of familiarity there. Mike Mike, and, and, and your trainer, Brad Mendler, have history, and, and that ties to Drew Aller, who's the quarter, starting quarterback here on campus. How did James Franklin handle that process with you initially and then as the search started yeah so you know they're pretty open throughout the whole process that was kind of the biggest thing with me you know them keeping me in the loop of what was going on and you know why they were doing uh different things but you know they they we just got on the phone um you know you know every time they needed to let me know or get me in on something so that that was really uh the biggest thing for me was just how open they were with everything. And that just made me super comfortable with, you know, staying uh, firm in my decision. And um, that, that was really the biggest thing. 
that was approximately a three-week window from the point where they move on from Mike Yersich to the point where they announce Andy Kotelnicki as the next offensive coordinator. I would imagine, and I asked Luke Reynolds this question recently on this podcast, that you had other coaching staffs, maybe some that hadn't communicated in some time, circling back with you, maybe trying to check your pulse on where you stood with Penn State because of that status at offensive coordinator. How real was that, and 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 how did you handle it? Yeah, so there was definitely uh, some of that going on. And, um, you know, I just kind of the same thing, you know, I said when I first committed is, you know, there's there's really nowhere else I'd want to be. So um, whether a coach was a coach was here or not, I was uh, committing to play football at Penn State, um, you know, for for Coach Franklin and, and the rest of the staff. So, you know, it wasn't really hard of a too hard of a decision at all, um, you know, just stay firm in my decision. And, you know, that's how I feel like I was raised to, um, you know, stay, stay who believed in me first and, you know, just stay loyal to them. I want to discuss Andy Kotelnicki in a moment, your, your next offensive coordinator coming up here in a matter of weeks when you make the move to campus for January enrollment. Um, but, but was Drew Aller a sounding board for you at all during those three weeks? I know he's got a lot on his plate and he's trying to yeah. win football games. He's trying to improve himself, but he's in that room. Uh, he's worked hand in hand with that offensive coordinator for a couple of years. So when that decision happens and James Franklin makes the move, was Drew somebody that you were able to tap into uh, during that process? Yeah, we didn't uh, talk a whole lot about it. Um, you know, I've seen him a couple of times since then and, um, Obviously, with our, our QB coach, uh, Coach Mendler, you know, there was a little bit of communication, but not a whole lot. Um, you know, I know they're trying to finish up their season. They got a big bowl game and, you know, they had some big games to play. And uh, after that happened as well. So I feel like, um, you know, we just kind of figuring out on our own and, you know, it's new for him as well. So. Kind yeah, of and I'm sure uh, that that you and Drew have both grown up in your own ways separately, but but the two of you have you know trained together. You've been able to kind of discuss things uh, heading into the season and and, and heading into your com uh, commitment. What did you observe from from him in his first year as a starting quarterback? Obviously, he ha he had some moments of adversity along the way, but you look at the the end result: one interception in, in 12 games. They finish on a high note, Black Friday against Michigan State. So some momentum developing for this matchup against Ole Miss. What would you kind of describe from from what you witnessed from Drew Aller here in 2023? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, you know, seeing a guy from Ohio that I've trained with, you know, be on the on a stage like that, and um, you know, it was really awesome to see how he grew throughout the season, and uh, it, was, it was really exciting for for everyone, you know, in the in our training group and and stuff like that. So Andy Kotelnicki comes to town. We're getting to know him he, in a big way. Uh, he introduced himself to us a, a few days ago, and we can we can pick up on that personality that we heard so much about from his time at Kansas. I'm sure you have as well. He made an in-home visit. What was that like? I don't think James Franklin has a lot of surprises left for you from a personality standpoint. Maybe he does when you get to campus. But with Andy Kotelnicki under your roof, what was the impression on you, on your family? When he left, what was the topic of conversation? Yeah, so um... – we, I was on the phone with them a couple of times leading up into that. And, uh, you know, it's really just the same person you get on the phone and, uh, and in person as well, you know, he's just a really high energy guy um, and, and an exciting dude to be around. But uh, the main topic of conversation is, you know, he's, he's a, he grew up in Minnesota and so did my, uh, my family. So that was a cool little connection. Uh, you know, just some, some similarities there that were definitely uh the topic of conversation. Have you had a chance to really dive into what he does schematically? Is that something that's been kind of brought to you or have you kind of gone and sought it yourself? And, and what is your, I guess, uh, initial feedback for us on why you think this was a strong move for James Franklin? Yeah. So I definitely did uh, some, some research on my own. And then I've also, you know, talked to coach O'Brien and coach Franklin and, you know, they've talked about, what he likes to do offensively. And, you know, I'm really excited to uh, learn under him. I know he's a really creative guy and, uh, and and has some really good concepts. So I'm really excited to get in there and start running them. If there's a specific element of his approach that you've been told about or that you've picked up on through your research, what is, what is particularly exciting to you? Yeah, I think uh, one thing he does a really good job with is um, 
you know, molding his offense around his players. So kind of what his player strengths are uh, is is what he likes to do offensively. And that's that's one thing that's super exciting for me, um, you know, kind of having the offense molded around, you know, the playmakers they have and, you know, what the strengths are. You mentioned Danny O'Brien there a, a moment ago. Obviously, James Franklin has a lot of attention on him. The offensive coordinator spot does as well. Along the way, it's, it feels like Danny O'Brien's been kind of the glue guy in that quarterback room uh, through some of these changes. He's been working a, a, a lot more, I think, vocally since Mike Yersich moved on. Uh, but when you had these conversations with Danny O'Brien and you, and you learn a little bit more about him, and it sounds like he'll continue to work with the quarterbacks when you get to campus, what are you kind of excited about, uh, about a guy who's a little bit younger than most of the staff, has a history at the position, and James Franklin told us that he considers him a rising rock star in this industry? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so definitely uh, connects really well with all the other quarterbacks in the room. You know, that's really exciting for me to, you know, have a guy that, uh, you know, obviously played the position at a really high level. And, you know, I think I, – and I agree that, you know, in the, in the future I think he's going to be – you know, or one of the top coaches in the country. So I was just really excited to, you know, have a guy like that in, in the QB room and, and to learn under him. These guys will head down to Atlanta. They'll get the Peach Bowl, uh, and then they'll come back. And everybody will go their separate ways for a little bit. Winter break will end, and the team, a new team, will start anew in January of 2024. And when that happens, you will be among them. I know it might be hard to wrap your brain around, but it's just about here. What do the next couple of weeks look like for you before you make that transition to campus and, and a full-time college football student-athlete lifestyle? What are some of the items on your to-do list back home? Yeah, I don't really have a too big of a to-do list. You know, just trying to get ready, uh, you know, and training everything like that, but just spending the most time I can with my family before I head to college. And then obviously the uh, Under Armour All-American game as well uh, is is coming up. So I got about two weeks, a little under two weeks left at home. So, you know, just trying to make the most of it. What is something about home that you that you pretty sure you're just not going to be able to duplicate uh, at Penn State, whether it's a favorite meal whether it's getting the laundry right. I mean, there's all sorts of ways you can go here as, as, a, as an incoming college freshman. What do you feel like you're just going to have to go back home to enjoy in the future? There's some restaurants here that I that I definitely are going to I'm going to miss. So, you know, I'm a little bummed about that. But, you know, when I come back, I, it'll definitely be uh, first on first on my list. And, um, you know, I'm really, really excited for to come back and, and get back to those. Um, the Under Armour game is something you mentioned as well, Ethan. What, what are you kind of trying to get out of that experience down in Orlando, Florida? It's uh, plenty of NFL uh, stars have come through that game. Plenty of eventual Penn State stars have come through that game. I've gone and covered it a couple times. Big time event. What do you want from it? Yeah, just to, you know, start to get used to the speed of the game. And, and you know, I'm really just excited to get around all the talent. Uh, that's going to be down there, you know, future future NFL stars like you talked about um, and and really just to start throwing throwing against some of the best defenders in the country and, and throwing with some of the best wide receivers in the country. So I'm just really excited to go down there and compete with the best. And pretty soon after that, you will be here in State College. And, and what is uh, early priorities for you here as a Penn State freshman? You're getting that head start through graduation. You're going to be involved with winter conditioning. You're going to be in the classroom. You're going to be in the film room. Eventually, you're going to be on the practice field for 15 sessions in March and April. What is your priority? Because, you know, it, it, you're obviously making an investment in, in saying goodbye to Olin Tangi, uh, you know, four or five months ahead of your peers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, really just taking advantage of, of all the time I get, um, you know, coming early is definitely going to be an advantage. Get to go through spring ball and all the conditionings and, and weightlifting. So, you know, just take advantage of those and get the most out of uh, out of them that I can is, is going to be uh, critical for me. And and realistically, when you look at yeah, your freshman year, obviously, when, when we talk about Drew Aller coming back as a starter and Bo Perbula coming back as an established number two guy who's been involved in some other ways. And you've got Jackson Smolik trying to build off what he did in year one. What do you realistically want to accomplish as a freshman at Penn State? Yeah, just go in there, build relationships and compete. You know, those are the those are the biggest things that uh, come to mind. And, uh, you know, just go in there, compete with all the guys and, and learn, learn under all the great coaches. 
speaking of relationship building, any word on your first college roommate yet? Uh, yeah, they're definitely, uh, definitely in the works. So we'll, uh, I think we'll be figuring it out soon. And, uh, it's definitely gotta, gotta be pretty soon here because we move in in two weeks. So let me ask you about a potential candidate for that. And, and someone I just mentioned being on the podcast recently, Luke Reynolds, Uh, you two have a history on the field, obviously not high school teammates, but on the camp circuit, he was a monster out of the elite 11 running routes all day for you. Um, really build up his stock as well. He's a five-star tight end in our book. He is the number one tight end in the country by our assessment at 24-7 Sports. What are you most excited about the possibility of, of, of moving forward in your career with Luke Reynolds, and what have you learned about him so far? Yeah, so he's just a, a really a really hard worker. Um, you know, at, at Elite 11, you saw him just running countless routes over and over again. And, um, you know, I'm just really excited to be able to throw to a uh, – a guy like that really athletic and and um you know i'm just really excited to start start throwing to him and and start uh, getting in the weight room with uh with him last uh name i wanted to mention among future teammates is another player i saw you throwing passes to this past summer uh and and uh gonzalez uh you know he he is peter gonzalez uh from pittsburgh central catholic rebounded for a really strong senior season over a thousand yards he uh, he, he was about a hundred yards per game um, back when you saw him in the summer, we were all kind of trying to take stock of where he was because he suffered a serious injury as a junior. And and now we see him coming out the other side looking pretty darn good. What was your assessment of, of Peter Gonzalez? I know he doesn't join you on campus till a little bit later down the road, but Penn State fans are, are looking for new receivers to, to kind of cling to and, and, and focus on. And he's one of them. What do they need to know about this past target? Yeah, so. You know, we, we've built a pretty good relationship so far from camps and visits and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, tall, a tall receiver that's going to be able to go up and get the ball. Um, so I'm really excited to, to start throwing with him. Um, hopefully we can find some time during the spring where he can come up because he's, he's not too far uh, in Pittsburgh. So, you know, hopefully we can, uh, you know, start building the, the chemistry uh, and the on the field. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited to, like I said before, start throwing to uh, a caliber receiver like that. Ethan, the last one for you isn't as much of a question as it is just giving you the mic. Uh, You're coming to campus with a large group of early enrollees in in a matter of weeks. Uh, Later in the year, your whole freshman class will be on campus. What is your group about? What do you bring to the Penn State culture? And ultimately, what do you guys think you have a chance to achieve in the next four or five years? Yeah, so I, I think it's pretty um, a pretty common thing with all the guys that we've talked to is just we're ready to go in there and compete. Um, you know, we, our goal is to be Ohio State of Michigan and and all the other teams coming coming into the Big Ten and and hopefully win a Big Ten championship and a national championship. So we're just ready to go in there and compete. We got some really talented guys and and we're just ready to go. Ethan Grunkemeyer from Owen Tangy High School in Ohio, one of the top quarterbacks in the country in this 2024 class. Tomorrow, he will put pen to paper, make it official with the Penn State Nittany Lions. And then a few weeks later, we'll see you here in central Pennsylvania as a member of this roster. Best of luck to you. Look forward to seeing you around campus in the future. And thanks for giving us some time on a busy week. Yes, sir. No problem. I really appreciate you. All right. Good stuff from Ethan Grunkemeyer, who we've had on a few times now. And it's always interesting as, as we kind of get the, the final uh, outlook from these guys before we get to campus and, and just how they evolve and grow. And we've been doing these uh, early enrollment stories for a long time on the podcast. And we had Drew Aller on before he enrolled. We had uh, we had Bo Perbula on before he enrolled. And everybody is just kind of ready to take this next step. And you can sense that eagerness uh, from Ethan there as he gets to join that quarterback room. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them. And easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Let's jump into the National Signing Day picture with Tyler Calvaruso right now. And we referenced this a little bit early in the week, Tyler, the fact that there is just so much happening on the plate uh, for college football coaches, college football reporters, college football fans in the month of December anymore, that the National Signing Day and the early signing period can get a bit lost in the shuffle, especially when you're dealing with a team here at Penn State that has had its class pretty well locked in firmly for quite some time now. Putting that aside and focusing directly on this class, though, you had a piece up at lines247.com here on Tuesday morning, Tyler, that that was five major topics that you consider to be talking points with this recruiting class. We're going to see how that translates to the podcast. And the first one that you brought up in your story on Tuesday was the man we just got done speaking with here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Yeah, I mean, there are so many themes and just storylines with this recruiting class that article could have gone a lot longer than five minutes i'll tell you that this is a solid class that penn state has and there's a lot of excitement about this class and i mean ethan gronkemeyer is probably at the top of the list when it comes to the excitement inside of lash about what he's going to be able to accomplish when he makes it to state college i mean you really think about what he accomplished as a senior at olentangy and just the way his development and trajectory has played out you know i, I remember going back to the spring you know Michael Van Buren was a lot of the focus of the quarterback discussion, you know, the standout from uh, St. Francis in Baltimore, you know, then Penn state gets involved with Gronkemeyer. The staff gets out to Ohio to see him throw and he's just blown away at what he brings to the table. I think Penn state, I think this is another cycle where it got the right guy at quarterback. I, I think that Gronkemeyer is probably the best fit for Penn state on and off the field of all the quarterbacks that went after during the 2024 cycle. And a lot of that has to do with just his mental makeup. You know, he's already advanced in terms of reading defenses, preparing, making decisions, you know, being decisive with those calls when he goes through his reads, you know, that's going to be, that's, that's a big part for me of him enrolling early. You know, we already see on tape that he's such a decisive quarterback and he's already so smooth processing opposing defenses, but when he gets to Penn state, you know, he's going to be going up against, big 10 level talent and power five level talent. And those guys fly around a lot quicker than, you know, his Olin Tangy teammates. So that's going to be pivotal for his adjustment to college football. And, you know, he's going to get some early exposure to that. And like you guys just talked about, he's going to be going through the winter, you know, strength and conditioning with Chuck Losey. That's always a plus. He's going to be able to go to class, get comfortable being a college student. He's going to be able to get his nose in the playbook early. But overall, there's just a lot of excitement surrounding Ethan Gronkemeyer. Whenever you talk to anyone at Penn State about this 2024 recruiting class, he always comes up in conversation. That's how bullish that they are on him in State College. It feels like this is the formation of, of arguably the the – I don't know if deep is the right word, but uh, the most comfortable quarterback situation that Penn State has had in quite some time with four scholarship guys involved, uh, you know, three of them or two of them, I should say, were, were Elite 11 finalists uh, and, and 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 essentially top 100 prospects and Drew Aller and Ethan and Grunkemeyer. And then you've got uh, Bo Perbula, who has obviously proven his ability as an athlete at the power five level. He's going to get more opportunities to do that. Uh, and then Jackson Smolik, who I think was a bit further along on the field over the course of this year than maybe Penn State anticipated. Uh, he was a, an under-the-radar kind of recruit coming out of high school in Iowa uh, and maybe a bit of a forgotten man right now because uh, adding Grunkemeyer, who has some of that more, uh, I guess, uh, buzz around him as a prospect. But when you look at that, I mean, that's a, that's those are bodies to work with on the practice field. That's depth for you come fall. And with Grunkemeyer, you're getting a group that when – the practice uh, really hits uh, it, it's it's focal when practice really hits the next level in August, you'll have spring ball under his belt. You'll have a, a year and a half on campus with Jackson Smolik, and you'll have two guys who have already played a bunch of Big Ten football and Bo Perbula and Drew Aller. So to me, this signing is outstanding for bringing in another uh, impressive prospect at the position. But I think you look at overall where the room is going. 
it's been quite some time, maybe maybe all the way back to when Penn State had McSorley, Tommy Stevens, and Sean Clifford as their top three, where you felt like this it's a good situation all the way down the depth chart. There's developmental pieces. There are pieces that are ready to, to, to impress right now. And I think that's a really good combination for Andy Kotelnicki to get to work with in year one. Three straight years with an Elite 11 finalist, and not just a guy who went to the Elite 11 and participated, a guy who went out to California and was one of the best quarterbacks there and kind of put the nation on notice that, hey, look, I might not have been a top-ranked recruit for too long leading up to my Penn State commitment, but I could ball at the highest level. I think he showed that to everyone, and then he goes out there and dominates as a senior. I mean, he completed almost 70% of his passes. He almost touched 4,000 yards. What is it, 37 touchdowns to only eight interceptions? I think he showed everything that he has needed to show on the camp circuit. And once the pads are on on the field that he can sling it with the best of them in this 2024 class. So Penn State's really thrilled with that. Speaking of Andy Kotelnicki, uh, you noted that he is going to have some fun with this running back tandem that Penn State's bringing to campus. And uh, we know that they're not lacking for talent at that position next year. Kachar Allen and Nick Singleton have both gone on the record now and saying they are on board with this program as juniors next year. So year three for Singleton and Allen, you look beyond them. Trey Potts can come back, a transfer from Minnesota who had some nice moments this year. And then younger pieces in London, Montgomery, Cam Wallace, guys who have not set foot in game action to this point and have been doing it on the practice field. Now you've got another pair coming in uh, led by one of the premier prospects in Pennsylvania, a guy who's been on Penn State's radar for a long time, Quentin Martin. Yeah, I, you know, as a Penn State fan, if you look at the depth chart, you see Nick Singleton, you see Katron Allen atop it, and you know their role is established. You wonder, you know, where do the young guys fit in? Where's a guy like Quentin Martin fit into that equation in 2024? I mean, the answer is he can line up all over the field and make a pretty big impact on your offense, really, no matter where he's at. You know, we saw it in person when he camped at Penn State. You know, he gets it done at linebacker, he gets it done at receiver. His senior season at Bell Vernon, I mean, he leads them to a 3A state title, over 1,000 yards rushing out of the backfield, then almost 800 receiving yards and double-digit touchdown numbers splitting out wide. I mean, it's ridiculous what he was able to accomplish in that offense in multiple roles. And I think Penn State, you know, Martin's one of those guys. He's one of those talents where you just give him the ball and you let him do his thing. And I think that he's going to be one of those – well, not that he could. He could definitely be one of these guys who, you know, gets to Penn State – and his talent just kind of speaks for itself. And, you know, it's undeniable. And he talks or he works his way into the equation by what he shows in the weight room and on the practice field and in the classroom. Yeah, I think that's definitely in the cards for him when it comes to potential instant impact guys out of this class in 24. Quentin Martin could definitely be one of those guys. I mean, the talent is apparent. He was at the pen, top of Penn State's recruiting board for the 2020 class for so long for a reason. I mean, this goes back to when he was a freshman at Bell Vernon, you know, he was very, very wanted by this Penn State staff, and they are well aware of the talent that he has and what he could bring right off the bat. Martin, to me, is the the freshman, and there are others that, that could contribute in year one, uh, but he is, to me, the, the freshman that I focus in on and say, can, can he ditch his red shirt? You know, yeah, is he the guy who's going to force the staff, even with that depth at running back? To, to just get him involved in some way. And, and Andy Kotelnicki will be involved in that decision as well. And Jaywan Sider, of course, will be paramount in that decision. But something you referenced there with his receiving skills translating throughout his senior season, we have referenced it multiple times on this show about when he's transitioned from running back drills to one-on-one -on -one work downfield, he was probably the most impressive pass target that we saw on those particular camp sessions outside of Luke Reynolds, the, the nation's top tight end prospect. So I guess my question here is with that versatility to his game, and we know there's members of this coaching staff that for years have been trying to jockey for position and bring them into his into their respective position rooms, uh, You know, whether it's a defensive back, whether it's a wide receiver, whether it's a, a running back, because of that versatility, do you, Am, am I right? Is there a path toward him finding some playing time, even behind the Nick Singleton, Catron Allen, and, and perhaps the, the Trey Potts of this roster? Yeah, I definitely think there's a chance, and there's definitely a path for him to see the field as a true freshman. You know, maybe maybe he's not in line for a substantial amount of playing time, but I think you could see plenty of him as the year goes on, and maybe, you know, right off the bat. It really depends what unfolds throughout spring ball and obviously fall camp. But I, th I mean, we just talked, we just raved about his talent. He has it. Right. You know, it, it, what it's really going to come down to is one, his adjustment to the collegiate game, you know, in practice, how is he going to deal with the uptick in competition? I think he's well equipped to deal with that. And two, how does the Penn State staff not only perceive him, 
but what kind of role do they envision for him in year one? Because, you know, that backfield tandem, it is established, and it's going to be tough to crack no matter how talented of a runner you are. But does Andy Cotal Nicky look at, you know, the wide receiver situation and just really view Martin as a guy who you can line up either out wide or in the slot and you get creative and, you know, find ways to get him the ball in space and let him make plays in space? I think that's definitely in the cards. And that's probably something that will come up in conversation as the Penn State staff monitors his development and monitors his potential impact in year one. But, I mean, I fielded a question about this on the board earlier today, you know, talking about this 2024 class and guys who could potentially be greenlit coming out of fall camp. I think Martin's definitely one of them. And we didn't see a single uh, offensive player get the green light this particular season. Uh, we saw five of them burn red shirts uh, on the defensive side of the football here in 2023. And and, and I want to note here that Corey Smith out of Wisconsin, uh, he is no slacker as well. He's a four-star recruit in 24-7 sports assessment. He just delivered his second consecutive 1,200-yard rushing campaign. He was at multiple camps with J1 Sider, with Quentin Martin as well over the course of the summer. He had 24 rushing touchdowns as a senior he also had 341 receiving yards on 22 catches uh i'm sorry i'm, I'm going off of his junior uh the junior one for his receiving line there but this is a guy that that highly productive high school career right i mean he's, he's got the stats he came to campus he's worked under the tutelage of j1 cider i'm not going to make the case that he is as good or better of a prospect than quentin martin uh, but we're in a spot here where penn state's bringing two guys to campus i know that means the guy's a competitor what is the feedback you've gotten on Corey Smith and his ability to come to campus and, and start to work his way up that running back depth chart, which again, pretty, pretty significant climb for anybody beyond that top two. And he's another guy who could impact your offense in a couple of different ways. I mean, his receiving numbers as a senior probably would have mirrored what he did as a junior. If he didn't miss time with a collarbone right. injury for a large chunk of his senior season, but he made it back for the Wisconsin state playoffs. I mean, he was impactful and you could easily see why Penn state is so high on him. You know, he's a guy who he's more of a jump cut kind of back. You know, when I think about him, I think of like those Austin Eckler type backs, you know, guys who they use their, they can catch passes out of the backfield, use your speed to get to the edge. I know Eckler's speed has taken a little bit of a hit recently, but Smith's definitely got his uh, speed down, you know, Catholic Memorial, they get him to the edge quite frequently. I've seen him on tape line up in the slot. They put him in motion, give him the ball on jet sweeps. They line up in the slot and throw to him out of those formations. So he's another guy who can you know, really line up all over a formation and defenses will have to account for him. When it comes to the more likely of the two for potential impact in year one, I give Martin the edge, but you know that's no slight on Corey Smith. I think he's a good prospect, a good player, and another guy, Andy Kotelnicki, will probably look at and say, hmm, how do I get him the ball and how do I utilize his skill set to its fullest potential? Because he can make a positive impact on this Penn State offense. I'm pretty confident in that. The competition that you could see at running back in 2024 is pretty fascinating because you're not really seeing guys. I mean, J1 Sider will tell everybody that your job is to go, you know, take the starter's job, but you're not really going to see this foursome. These four guys who have full freshman eligibility next year, it's going to be these two that we were discussing and Corey Smith and Quentin Martin. And then the two that preceded them to campus uh, and, and, and the current freshman, London Montgomery and Cam Wallace. Those are guys that are all going to bring four years of, of, of eligible seasons into 2024. And while they're competing on the field, it's not going to be so much about getting and making impact plays next Saturday, uh, next uh, fall and Saturdays. It's going to be, where are you this time next year, December of 2024, you know, whatever Penn state has going on, if they're preparing for a bowl matchup, if they're preparing for a college football playoff, you're down to the final stretch. We would imagine with both Nick Singleton and Katron Allen as third year running backs and very high profile ones at that. So to me, the story is, isn't so much as all these guys coming together in January. It's going to be where do they finish out the year? Who has set themselves up as the, maybe the heir apparent in that room? And they know they like to distribute the ball, so it could be a couple guys. But Trey Potts is going to be a veteran down to his last year of eligibility if he's around. And so to me, Tyler Calvaruso, this is a, a cluster of young running backs where it just some, some of them are going to rise up and they're going to really become factors in 2025. And then others, you'd imagine this day and age, the portal is going to come calling for them. And so a lot to learn about this group and, and more talent in incoming, as you mentioned in your piece today, in the form of Martin and, and Smith. You talked about uh, Luke Reynolds as well uh, this morning in this piece and, and just about the fact that they are adding an absolute stud at a tight end room that's losing an impressive prospect, at least one in Theo Johnson to the NFL draft. Tyler Warren 
told us uh, late last week that he has not yet determined his mind uh, on the NFL draft, although he's definitely playing in the Peach Bowl. So they could lose two starters here. They're losing at least one. Luke Reynolds enters a situation where you've got Khalil Dinkins as the tight end three this season, and he came up with some key plays along the way. Got Andrew Rappelier chomping at the bit to make his mark. He probably would have done it on a lot of campuses across the country. Top 24-7 prospect last year. Jerry Cross really hasn't been able to find his way onto the field with any kind of consistency through three years on campus. And then Joey Schlafer, another 2023 signee. Uh, physical development has been a priority for him in this year. With all those names there, and perhaps Tyler Warren as well, I still believe that Luke Reynolds, because of what he can do in downfield matchups, and with that speed, with his vertical leap, and with his maturity, a guy who's lived away from home now for a couple of years, I think it is really well set up for him to get to campus in January, get to work with Chuck Losey, and by the time he gets through spring ball and into the early stages of summer, a guy that we're realistically eyeing up come August as maybe being a factor. Yeah, it's feasible. I think it's definitely feasible. I mean, you look at the, just the skill level and talent alone, and you kind of wonder, you know, in what way will he not make an impact in 2024? Because, I mean, when it comes to 50-50 balls, he goes and gets them. His athleticism is air apparent every time he runs a route. I think the maybe two things that could keep Reynolds from being that instant impact guy in 2024. Is, you know, he's still learning how to play tight end. You know, this past senior season, his senior year, it was his first time playing the position full time. So, you know, how does he take all that upside and raw skill and how does he, you know, translate that over to going up against a higher level of competition? I think he'll be perfectly fine, but you just don't know until he gets into that setting. And, you know, he's still got to develop his overall skill set and in the weight room and everything of that nature too. But I think it's definitely feasible that he could be an instant impact guy in 2024. I'm not necessarily anticipating it just because of the makeup of the room. I think Andrew Rappley is going to be the real breakout guy in 2024 i think luke has a chance to be that guy in 2025 maybe more so than 2024 but would it surprise me if reynolds got to campus and you know he's tight end two by the end of fall camp no it wouldn't because he's a five-star talent i mean he's another one of those guys we just talked about quentin martin having an undeniable level of talent and forcing your way into the conversation at a position Luke Reynolds could definitely be another guy who does that. We've seen it on the camp circuit. His senior year tape is impressive. I mean, he's doing everything you'd expect a five-star to do. I think the one thing I'll say is, you know, given his rating and the way we've talked about him throughout his recruitment, you know, if he's not out there, you know, playing a lot as a true freshman or dominating as a true freshman, Penn State fans should not get discouraged at all because – even if he's not out there like Pat Fryermuth back in the day dominating as a true freshman, it's not – he's going to be a big-time player at the next level. At least I think he's going to be a big-time player at the next level. I know I'm not really going out on a limb saying that given his ranking, but still, I, I definitely think he could work his way into the conversation in 2024. Am I going to go out and say I definitely think he will? I, I just don't know yet. It's a different tight end room in 2023 and 2024 yeah. than it was when Pat Fryermuth showed up to campus in 2018. And by the end of that September, he was a starter. If that version of Pat Fryermuth, the freshman version of Pat Fryermuth, shows up to this campus in 2023, do you really think he's going to leapfrog Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren and, and become the – no, he's not going to. Um, and, and I would I brought this up before because there have been some comparisons made between Luke Reynolds and Mike Kosicki. Mike Kosicki comes to campus. He couldn't have weighed more than what Luke Reynolds weighs now, which is a low 220s. 20, yeah. uh, and, 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 but Mike Kosicki played every single game as a freshman. He started a game as a freshman. Mm -hmm. He caught 11 passes as a freshman because that tight end room and that Penn State roster in 2024 was not this one a decade later where, you know, Mike Kosicki shows up and he's probably going to get redshirted. And, yeah. and, and, and that's just the way it is now. Mike Kosicki developed and, and, and he you know, became such a weapon on those 50-50 balls and, and, and everything else with it. But I think with Luke Reynolds, where it could, you know, he's 25, 30 pounds lighter than the tight ends at Penn State have been playing that's with regularity. And so, again, that's a different portion of the room. Mike Kosicki needed to be out there and shortcomings involved in his game as an all-around tight end be damned because he was the kind of talent that they couldn't afford to leave on the sideline. Whereas right now you wonder, is it going to take Luke Reynolds to balance some things out as a tight end to really get himself involved in big 10 matchups? That's to be determined. Tyler Warren's decision looms pretty large here as well yeah, in the yeah. grand scheme of things. Um, and, and, and so we'll, we'll keep tabs on that. Something else you touched on here is that Phil Troutwine is going to have a lot at his disposal. Another really big class coming to campus figuratively and literally. 
Uh, five offensive linemen in this group. We actually saw a bunch of them all summer long coming to campus. At one point during one camp, all five of them were working under the direction of Phil Troutwine during the afternoon. So there's a lot of familiarity in place here. I, I know Cooper Cousins is the headliner because he's the in-state player out of Erie, Pennsylvania. He was the first player to commit to this class. He's number 122 overall in our rankings at, at 24-7 Sports. But you work your way through this list, got another top 24-7 prospect in Garrett Sexton, an offensive tackle out of Wisconsin. You've got Corey Smith's teammate, Donovan Harbor, big offensive uh, guard out of Wisconsin. And then you work your way through the rest of the class. You've got Caleb Brewer, an in-state player, and Egan Boyer, uh, yet another offensive tackle with a six foot seven frame that you can build upon. So five names there to work through. Where do you want to begin this discussion, Tyler? And ultimately, what do you think about this class's ability to change the complexion of depth and ability in the next couple of years in that offensive line room? I think long term wise, this class, this group of offensive linemen is definitely going to be able to accomplish its fair share of success. I, you know, I don't think there's a ton of instant impact here because when you look at some of these guys, you know, Egan Boyer, he needs to bulk up a little bit. Garrett Sexton is still learning the position. He'll be more of a developmental guy. Granted, I think he's a high ceiling developmental guy. Donovan Harbor is going to have to get in the weight room a little bit with Chuck Losey. He's already started his physical transformation, and Penn State has been pretty pleased with that. Caleb Brewer still coming along as a true offensive lineman. You know, he went both ways at wide missing, but I've had multiple people tell me that he really developed as a pass protector this past season. So that's encouraging. Cousins is probably, you know, the most ready of the group. I mean, Penn State is really excited about what he could do. They really feel that he could play all five positions on the line. Probably projects a little bit better the interior, in my opinion. But I, Penn State feels he could do all everything. Like legitimately tackle center guard, he could get the job done for them wherever he's plugged in. And you know he's been a leader in this class. He was alone in the class dating back to his early commitment for almost a year before Anthony Specker came along. And you know he was he played such a big part in this class coming together. There's a lot of excitement about him and what he can accomplish. I mean Sexton, Garrett Sexton is probably one of the more intriguing recruits in this class, just given his background. You know he's also he, he's unicornish. He is, he is unicornish. Based on what we saw on the camp field, he is. I man, think about the athleticism that, that he carries and the frame he carries, and then take into account that he still has so much to accomplish in the weight room that's ahead of him. Because he's, we know his work ethic. He added a lot of weight to play tackle in a short period of time, and that was, you know, really without the guidance of a college level strength and conditioning program. So you take that work ethic. You pair it with Chuck Losey, and we know what he's capable of as a strength and conditioning coach. And you, you start to uh, fantasize about what's possible there. I think Sexton, he, he's one of those guys long-term-wise, if he could put it all together and you know carry, continue to carry that athleticism as he continues to add weight, and he just comes along his development as an offensive lineman, I mean, he's got NFL draft potential. You know, I really think he has that in him. And I think Egan Boyer is a similar guy once he adds weight. I mean, he's 6'7", and athletic as hell at tackle. You know, so his P's are really good in pass protection already. So guys like that, you know, like I said, maybe they won't be making impacts in 2024. That's perfectly fine because the long-term projections here are where they need to be from a Penn State perspective. The one guy I'm really interested to see how things play out for him is Donovan Harbor because you know, he was kind of an under-the-radar get in this class. Not under the radar in terms of skill set or ranking, but kind of how it came together in a short period of time. You know, really in April, this one came together quickly for him. He visits for the blue-white game, and then Penn State gets his commitment. He was a top 24-7 guy who was falling out of the rankings, but there's still a high ceiling on him as well. I'm really interested to see what he does in the weight room with Chuck Lozzi because he's another guy who has a track record of having a high motor, a high work ethic, and a guy who's going to put in work. And I mentioned that he's already started his physical transformation, so – there's a lot of clay there. There's a lot of clay there for the Penn State strength and conditioning staff to work with. So I do like this O-line group. I know Phil Troutwine definitely likes this O-line group, and I think he has a lot to work with in the future years. Sexton, I don't remember the exact time for his 40-yard dash, but I know that we all it wanted to like triple check it back in July. We were like, wait, wait, he, he ran what at, at that size? And, and again, uh, Sexton is one of those kind of frames that you see right now. Um, let, me, let me pull up what, what we have him at right now. Uh Garrett Sexton is, and I and now I can't find it. Of course, oh, six foot seven, two hundred and sixty-five pounds, yeah. and you see that, and he and and you think two hundred sixty-five pounds, high school senior, he looks pretty skinny. 
you know, and 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 yet he has put on that weight. He's got a background where he played quarterback, I believe. He has some history on the basketball court at a high level, uh, playing uh, playing in the post. And there's just a lot that you start to put together from this prospect profile. You can understand why our rankings council has, has vaulted him into the top 200 along the way, and you start to imagine what Garrett Sexton could look like come spring brawl 2025. And I know this team might need some tackles in 2024, but this is a developmental kind of a situation, I think, right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And then you could be talking about the franchise tackle kind of conversation with Garrett Sexton. So uh, a really compelling prospect. And, and Donovan Harbor, by the way, teammates with Corey Smith um, up at Wisconsin. So you're getting a, a pair of teammates making the journey together to Penn State. And, and Harbor reminds me a, a little bit of, uh, of C.J. Thorpe who came to Penn State out of the Pittsburgh area as a top 100 overall prospect, an interior offensive lineman who would just bully people as a run blocker. And he had an interesting career at Penn State. There were some flashes early on at offensive guard. He ends up flipping over to defensive tackle and ends up ultimately leaving the program before before his time is, is done in college. Um, but I think it's 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 a lot of, of north-south with Donovan Harbor. And I'm going to be curious, you know, when you start to add the nuances as, as an offensive lineman, what that's going to look like with him. But I absolutely love his potential. A little, maybe like a, a Vega, a Vega Ioane, what we have seen from him so far, a guy who can get out in the open field and really get moving at a size that surprises you. Um, but but you know, not quite 350 pounds like Ioane, <laughs> but he is going to tip the scales quite a bit as Donovan Harbor coming to campus. The last of your five topics that you touched on with this National Signing Day primer was the presence of the Sunshine State in this recruiting class. As we discussed with Jared Kelly from the Indiana site uh, yesterday on this podcast, Penn State should be big game hunting in Florida uh, for the continued foreseeable future with Tom Allen added to the staff now and his history recruiting down in, in the Sunshine State. But what do we make of this haul and some of the headliners involved? Yeah, Penn State has been pretty excited about the potential of John Mitchell and Antoine Belgrave short of the cornerback duo from uh, Mandarin High in Jacksonville pretty much since it inked those commitments in April. And uh, Tom Allen actually offered both of these guys while he was at Indiana, so he's already well aware of who they are and what they could bring to the table. But with Mitchell, and we haven't talked about these guys a whole lot during the cycle, mostly because they're both on the quieter side. They don't draw a whole lot of attention to themselves. They're not from the region. So sometimes I, those guys fly under the radar in conversation, but John Mitchell, I've said it once, I'll say it again. He was a top name on Terry Smith's cornerback board when he committed it on April 1st. He was a guy Penn state really, really wanted for an extended period of time. You know, the framework for that started in October, that October when he visited for the whiteout, along with Belgrade Shorter. He was the Belgrade Shorter was along for that visit. He didn't have an offer from Penn State yet. So his process with Penn State was a little bit more drawn out as the evaluation continued beyond you know the conclusion of his junior season. Once Penn State got his junior season film, things really took off there. And from that point on, that duo was a priority. You know, getting both of them was a priority for the staff, and it came together. When it comes to Mitchell, we talked about him earlier this week. He just made a 31-spot jump in the rankings. I mean, his coverage skill is undeniable. His ball skills are really up there. And with Belgrave Shorter, I've had multiple people tell me that they feel he could be the steal of the class. And those comments, they're not just thrown out there you know, without any regard. They're not made lightly. And for that to come up from multiple people, multiple conversations, and sometimes unsolicited, it, I think it speaks volumes to Penn State's evaluation of Belgrave Shorter and what it feels he can accomplish when he makes it to State College. So I feel like this is another cycle where Penn State accomplished what we need to accomplish in a fertile recruiting ground of Florida. And really, if you look at this 2024 cornerback situation that it is now, there's plenty of time up for grabs. You know, there are going to be spots available for the taking on Terry Smith's depth chart. And I think you could see one or both of these guys see the field, and make an impact in 2024. I think both of them have it in them. I mean, we're used to seeing cornerbacks burn red shirt. 2019, yeah. uh, Marquise Wilson, Keaton Ellis, went back when he played cornerback, their red shirts were gone. Uh, 2021, Kalen King, of course, his red shirt lost along the way. Uh, then this past year, uh, you, you see Cam Miller in 2022 burn his red shirt. And then 2023, a couple cornerbacks burn red shirt, primarily playing special teams, Zion Tracy and Elliott Washington the second. So there is definitely 
an opportunity there in Terry Smith's cornerback room, especially what with considering what they might lose from this group with Caitlin King, uh, Daquan Hardy, and Johnny Dixon, all with decisions to make. Uh, and, and Johnny Dixon doesn't have a decision to make. He's, he's, he's out of eligibility. But Caitlin King and Daquan Hardy do. Um, and, and so you look at that, and I think that the, there's definitely a path toward playing time for, for either of these players, and it's cool to see teammates making the journey. There's a few teammates. you got the two from Wisconsin at running back and offensive line. Uh, you've got these two uh, from Florida in the defensive backfield, and then from Central Catholic, you've got Anthony Specka, the linebacker, and the wide receiver, Peter Gonzalez. We did touch on a few other defensive prospects on our Monday episode when we were going through some of those rankings. We talked about um, uh, we, we, we talked about uh, Kenny Woesley, the cornerback from Philadelphia. We discussed um, uh, Jalen Harvey, the edge rusher from Maryland, and and also Dewan Lane, uh, the safety from Maryland. The one guy that we haven't really touched on much on defense, and I know he we're kind of getting outside of, of your piece now, but I wanted to finish on a defensive note since we fin- we covered a lot of offensive ground here is Liam Andrews. I mean, he's a guy who hasn't done a lot of interviews either. He did commit on a 24-7 sports broadcast to Penn State back in July, launched his recruitment as a blue-chip offensive line prospect. You and I were on the practice field in 2022 watching Phil Troutwine and Frank Leonard work with him uh, among those offensive line campers. And then this year uh, decided that you know he, he's embracing the two-way possibilities and then eventually shifting focus to the defensive line. Dion Barnes, new, new, new position coach here at Penn State, is able to get to the finish line with him. And now we're about to learn a lot more about Liam Andrews. He's kind of like, to me, the mystery man in this class because he's got the two high-profile position recruitments. He's a guy that I haven't seen put a lot of quotes out there, and yet I know our rankings council thinks highly of them, starting with Brian Doan and, and some of the, the things he said about Liam Andrews on this podcast and, and over at lines247.com. And then you tar- start to project a little bit about impact defensive players next year, and you look in the interior where – you don't usually see it uh, from a freshman class, and yet I am intrigued by what Liam Andrews might be able to accomplish uh, based on his physicality and the mental makeup that we've heard about. You know, when it comes to instant impact and what he could accomplish in 2024, it'll probably come down to how he recovers from the shoulder surgery that he just had recently. So that probably sets him back a little bit in terms of potential instant impact as he you know continues to develop as an offensive lineman. Given he started out primarily as an offensive line recruit, he's really shoring things up as a defensive lineman now. But, I mean, he had a solid senior season playing the position, which is exactly what Penn State was expecting out of him. And the upside's there. When we talk about, you know, what it takes to have a successful Big Ten defense, stopping the run, it's key. And when you have big, beefy, interior defensive linemen who can eat up space and stop the run, your defense, more more likely than not, is going to be a solid one. And I think guys like Liam Andrew, they could play a big part in that happening at some point, whether it be immediately or beginning in 2025 or 2026. I think T.A. Cunningham, who I touched on earlier this week, is another one of those guys. So I think, you know, some of those bigger body types that maybe Penn State hasn't gone out and landed recently, it's got two of them in this class. Two guys I think Deion Barnes can really get coached up and take them to the next level. Andrew's at number 119 overall. Uh, and, and by the way, you've got both the top ranked Ohio, uh, the top ranked um, offensive prospect and the top ranked defensive prospect in this Penn State class coming from New England uh, prep schools. You've got Cheshire Academy's Luke Reynolds leading the way at tight end from the offensive class. And then you've got Dexter School's Liam Andrews out of Massachusetts leading the way on the defensive side of the football. We have a massively busy day ahead of us on Wednesday, so we're going to start getting back to preparing for that. But Tyler, appreciate the the, the kind of uh, the last National Signing Day Eve notes here on, on some things we're expecting from the class, as people probably have picked up by now. Not a lot of drama in the air around this one. So if there is some kind of late change there, uh, it will be a surprise, and we will address it accordingly. But as of now, Tyler, it seems like relatively neat and tidy signing day coming up for Penn State. And, We'll be providing all of the updates from 6.30 a.m. on, I think, over at lines247.com on Wednesday. Yep, big day coming up for Penn State's 2024 class. 25 really good kids, too, not just talented football players, but 25 really good kids. So it's, it's nice to see that come together them and, you know, them realize their dream of playing college Great. football. Great stuff from you covering this class the entire way as they've come together and, and, and a big moment to celebrate them tomorrow. We'll have a lot of coverage at lines247.com. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks, man. That's going to do it for this episode. Just to give you a bit of a lay of the land for Wednesday, it is action-packed. We're going to be back at Beaver Stadium uh, like we were this past Friday for the Peach Bowl uh, for Peach Bowl Media Day. And this time we'll hear from 
Pat Kraft, the athletic director of Penn State, we'll hear from James Franklin in his usual spot on signing day. We'll hear from both offensive and defensive recruiting coordinators, which means wide receivers coach Marcus Higgins, cornerbacks coach Terry Smith. We'll get into the minds of some of the guys who do a lot of the work behind the scenes in the recruiting staff and personnel department for Penn State as well. And then at the end of that, Tom Allen will come by and say hello at Beaver Stadium. The introductory press conference for Penn State's new defensive coordinator who spent the last seven years as head coach of a divisional opponent here in the Big Ten. So a lot going on on Wednesday. We hope you'll join us at lines247.com to break it all down. And then on Thursday, we're going to resurface with another podcast that will bring you our biggest takeaways from what went down on Wednesday, the conversations that we had regarding a lot of these recruits, key moments from the Tom Allen press conference, and some, some major opportunities to speak with James Franklin and Pat Kraft in the aftermath of two coordinator searches in a three-week span. So a lot to dive into. We'll do that on the next episode of the podcast. For now, stepping aside, I'm Tyler Donahue. Big thanks to Tyler Calvaruso. And before him, Penn State's incoming quarterback, Ethan Grunkemeyer. We'll talk to you real soon on the next Lions 24-7 podcast. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.